Guys, guys, guys. Now, I know that you came to discuss Donovan Mitchell, and I came to discuss Donovan Mitchell. Today is a day for Donovan Mitchell on the Fear the Fro podcast. But before we get into the historic outing we just witnessed, before you throw a parade for this man who gave us the single greatest NBA game we have seen this season to date, and one of the best of all time, just hold your horsies. I just want to offer one small caveat, one small disclaimer to this 71-point performance. I once saw Colin Sexton score two points in one minute, and based on my per 48 extrapolation, I've decided that he is capable, if given the same opportunity, of scoring 96 points. So I truly am happy for Donovan Mitchell. I acknowledge he's a good player, but for those of you who think Colin Sexton couldn't do this, clearly you're buying into the bullshit narrative of the front office who always wanted Colin Sexton to fail. So thank you, and on with the podcast. That'll bring the house down. Three on the way. Good! Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast, my Cavalier friends. Happy New Year. What a way to start 2023 back-to-back victories over the Chicago Bulls. And you know what makes everything tonight sweeter? For those of you who are old, perhaps you remember the 69 that Jordan hung on the Cavs. For those of you who are less old, Joachim Noah saying, why would anyone go to Cleveland? And I'm sure a lot of the Bulls players are wondering why they had to go to Cleveland after tonight's game. Because what we saw was not only Donovan Mitchell breaking all sorts of historical marks on the way to 71 points, but in doing so, he did it to a team which has doled out massive amounts of pain to the Cavaliers since Michael Jordan entered the NBA. A team that perhaps was what stood between the Cavaliers and an NBA title in the era of Mark Price and Brad Dowery and Larry Nance Sr. and Craig Elo and John Hot Rod Williams and Ron Harper, etc., etc., even Steve Kerr before he was evil. Back to the game tonight. I think the best way to structure this is first to put into context how special what transpired was, because if you witnessed it, you know. But if you're reading about this tomorrow, you're going to get all sorts of references to history, as you should. First of all, this season, there is not a player who has put on an NBA jersey who has produced an effort like Donovan Mitchell. There is one singular player who could rival the complete game that we saw put forth, and that is Luka Doncic, because while he fell 11 points shy of Donovan Mitchell's single-season scoring mark this year, he did contribute 21 rebounds and 10 assists. And he did it last week in a game which many of us saw where he intentionally missed a free throw at the end of regulation, corralled his own rebound, made an absolute circus shot to send it to overtime, and then outlasted the New York Knicks. Eerily similar to what we witnessed tonight as Donovan Mitchell going to the line late in the game, down by two, stood at the free throw line in a scenario where he needed to intentionally miss a free throw. Standing on the block for both teams, 
were four gargantuan men, Robin Lopez and Jared Allen for the Cavs and Nikola Vukovic and Andre Drummond for the Bulls. Those four men, some of the best rebounders in the NBA, not necessarily Lopez. Between Vooch, Drummond, Jared Allen, and Robin Lopez, those men have put forth many double-digit rebound efforts over the course of their career. So, what happens? Well, I suppose the next part depends on your perspective. From the perspective of Cavaliers fans, what we witnessed was Donovan Mitchell corralling his own rebound, throwing up an absolute circus shot, nearly horizontal, knocking it down, tying the game up at 1.30 apiece, and then the Cavaliers steamrolled the Bulls in overtime. Now, from the perspective of the Bulls fan, Video replay, slow motion, and probably the two-minute report tomorrow or today, whenever you're hearing this, Donovan Mitchell stepped into the lane slightly before he was legally allowed to do so, controlled his own rebound, made the basket, which should not have counted. It was a fraudulent two points, and the Bulls should have held on to be victorious. But that is not what transpired. That is simply, in a hypothetical, well-officiated world, what should have happened. Instead, the Bulls got fucked two games in a row, because you may recall Saturday night where DeMar DeRozan, the two-minute report, indicated that he was fouled on his final shot, which he missed, which allowed the Cavs to hold on to victory. So for two games in a row, the Bulls have got their karma comeuppance, one might say. Now, why do I think it's karma? Well, I'll tell you. Every time LeBron James does something impressive, I have to hear from these fucking Bulls fans. He scores 47 points with the Lakers last week. Well, let's not forget Jordan scored 51 when he was 38 years old with the Wizards. Why does everything have to be about that for you? Can't people just enjoy their greatness without you trying to win every conversation? It's nice to see you handed an actual, tangible L. Secondly, Joachim Noah. What was it he said? Cleveland sucks. Nobody's ever said they want to go to Cleveland. I'm not going on vacation in Cleveland. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. What's so good about Cleveland? Well, maybe if they want to come visit the statue commemorating the absolute ass-kicking that Donovan Mitchell just laid upon the Chicago Bulls, now there's a reason for people to come to Cleveland. What do you think, Noah? Perhaps? Maybe? Okay, fuck off. And let's talk about this game, or even this season. Now, in the first half, I didn't see anyone in the Bulls community complaining about the ticky-tack calls on Jared Allen when he went straight up at the rim on DeRozan, got called for a foul, or when Mitchell did it, just plays later. Here's the thing. Had it played out the way it was in the first half, DeMar DeRozan was pacing for nearly 20 free throws. And I will 100% agree that Donovan Mitchell got a superstar whistle. But I'm not about to apologize for it, because you may have noticed this game that the Cavaliers... We're playing without all-star point guard Darius Garland. And why is that? Because time and time again this season, he's been smashed in the face, raked across the arm. They tried to take his eyeball in Toronto. And the Cavaliers have persevered through that. The Cavs are now 8-0 in Garland's absence. Cavs were 7-0. Well, they won tonight, so that's 8-0 without him here. So, Bulls fans, if you are outraged by the officiating, maybe you should have been a little bit more sympathetic to the Cavs' plight earlier in the season, because in an alternate reality where Darius Garland isn't missing games because the refs let violence against him go unchecked, then maybe Donovan Mitchell doesn't have to explode for 71 points. But instead of this just being a normal, regular season loss to a superior team, instead, it's a massive collapse in what will be perceived by history to be one player destroying an entire squad. 
I didn't ask that to be the result tonight, but that's what it is. And if you want to know why that is, well, it's those same refs that you feel like they fucked you, they fucked us. Garland could be playing right now, but he's not. This is the cross we have to bear. Donovan Mitchell has to carry the load, and tonight, Donovan Mitchell took that load and just exploded all over you and your entire team. And yes, I I realize as I'm saying that, how that sounds, but that's not what I intended, you toilet people. So, back to NBA history. We spoke about this season, and this season has certainly been an outlier in the sense that scoring has ramped up. People are dropping 40 points seemingly at will. But in terms of all-time NBA history, Donovan Mitchell has joined a group of men that even Michael Jordan doesn't belong to, and that is NBA players who have scored 70 points or more. There is, of course, Will Chamberlain, who has done it six times. There is Devin Booker, who has done it one time. Elgin Baylor, who has done it one time. David Robinson, who has done it one time. David Thompson, someone you may not recall, who scored 73 points with the Denver Nuggets, a game in which he went 28 of 38 from the floor. That's 74% without a three-point line. Unbelievable. And of course, Kobe Bryant's famed 81-point game. Donovan Mitchell did his in a victory. That differentiates him from Booker. But there's one other big distinction between Donovan Mitchell's 70-point game and that of every other all-time great player. The most assists anybody achieved during a 70-point game was, up until now, Devin Booker, who had six assists. Not a single one of those players had double-digit assists. Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points while involving other people on his offense. Now, Michael Jordan fans will tell you that points are the only thing that matters. But as fans who came up appreciating LeBron James' unselfishness, I hope you understand how special it is to have a 70-point performer who also doled out double-digit assists. It may be something that is very difficult to surpass at any point moving forward in history. It is a masterclass by Donovan Mitchell, truly something we will probably never see again. A franchise record, an NBA season record, and coming back from a 21-point deficit to win in overtime. Plus. This is going to get lost in all this, but let's not forget, coming into tonight, the Cavs were 5-0 and in overtime. Is it any wonder that the Bulls just packed it in and conceded when the Cavs made it to overtime because they are now a perfect 6-0 and in extra sessions? Okay, so now we've talked a lot about Donovan Mitchell, but let's look at the game as a whole because this was certainly clearly a tale of two halves. But while Donovan Mitchell was the main story tonight, He was not the only story. As Jared Allen, as I alluded to earlier, was incredible in this game, doing 21 points, 8 rebounds. Kevin Love, I don't know if you realized this during the course of the game. I certainly didn't. When I looked at the stats, when it was all said and done, to see him put forth a line of 12 points and 17 rebounds in over 35 minutes of action, obviously our starting lineup different tonight because no Mobley, no Garland. So Levert got a start. Stevens got a start. Love got a start. And Love knocked in three three-pointers out of his nine. Not necessarily the best percentages, but a drastic improvement out of the other fill-in starter, which was Karis Levert, who scored 10 points, but he did it on woeful inefficiency. Two for 13 from the floor, one for seven from three, and Osmond carried the way in terms of wings. His 19 points off the bench 
were huge. I think you could make the argument that he was the third most important Cav tonight at four three-pointers. So between Love, Donovan Mitchell, and Osman, those three players chipped in 14 three-pointers. And mind you, as a team, we went 16 of 46. In the second quarter, which is when we really dug our hole and found ourselves down by a ton, there was a couple things that were happening. It was too much iso ball, but we went stone cold from the perimeter as we shot just two for 10 in the second quarter. And the only person who hit a three-pointer was Donovan Mitchell. Those two three-pointers, those were his. Stevens missed his. Love missed his. Levert missed both his. Osmond missed both his. And during that quarter, they turned the ball over five times. This was a team that turned the ball over a total of 10 times. Half of their turnovers came in that second quarter. But then the third quarter hit, and the Cavaliers came out with a man possessed in Donovan Mitchell, who we've discussed, he scored 24 points. But not to be lost in the third quarter was the fact that Osman, in his seven and a half minutes on the floor, he hit three three-pointers himself. He scored 11 points, and that was big. Osman and Love continue to be effective alongside one another. Jared Allen had one of his better games where we actually fed the ball to him late in the game. Call it whatever you want due to the fact of his offensive rebounding, because as I pointed out, six offensive rebounds. But some of those, he got a couple of times where we pinned him in the post, he forced the fouls, or he made the buckets. That's all you can really ask for from Jared Allen. And it's nice to see him get some big fourth quarter buckets there when it really mattered late in the game. Because Donovan Mitchell will get most of the headlines, but this was a big step forward in terms of putting the ball in his hands during critical possessions. Now, Isaac Okoro, I think over the course of the last several games, we've discussed this. We're not going to rehash it all that thoroughly right now. Yeah, I think he's outplaying Lamar Stevens lately. Tonight, I don't think he had a particularly loud game, but he certainly tried to make DeRozan and Levine work. He found himself on the wrong side of some whistles, That's true, but Levine is exceptionally good at using his off-arm, and DeMar DeRozan even, too, knows how to, you know, get those subtle hooks, those things that they hopefully won't catch you for. Donovan definitely got caught for one. He straight-on grabbed DeMar DeRozan's ankle as he tried to go around him and got whistled for the offensive foul, justly, mind you. But it was a very difficult cover for Isaac Okoro tonight, and I think there's something to be said for the fact that DeMar DeRozan went from nine first-half free-throw attempts to just three in the second half. They did a much better job at keeping those guys off of the free-throw line because those two players can absolutely kill you if you get too reckless with the fouls. Levine and DeRozan are high-volume, high-efficiency free-throw shooters. So for the Cavs to come away with two victories, while yes, we should have hoped for two victories, certainly nothing was guaranteed being this short-handed during this run and for us to pull this one out in a fashion which will absolutely devastate this fan base. I would rather do that to somebody like the Toronto Raptors fan base, but historically, this is a team that has dealt us a lot of anguish. I'm not going to complain. Feels good. Feels good for once to get the whistles that Jordan got for his entire career. So one other subject in relation to the Bulls that I wanted to touch upon was the fact that tonight we did not see a guy who I thought was pretty pivotal in the first game against us in the this doubleheader here, and that's Javante Green, who sat out due to knee soreness. Instead, Derek Jones Jr. played, and I thought Javante Green was very effective for the Bulls in that game on Saturday, where he scored 12 points in just 16 minutes. Now, this is a player I bring up because as we get closer to the deadline and we hear people talk about wing options for the Cavs, the problem 
all along has been that the Cavaliers simply don't have assets to deal in the sense that their first round picks belong to Utah or them or the Indiana Pacers for the foreseeable future. And also there's the issue of matching contracts. The nice thing about a guy like Javante Green is, and I've and I'm going to do a longer podcast episode on this type of subject, attainable trade possibilities or buyout candidates if we want to get some wing help. Javante Green is one of those players. Now he's only 6'4", but he plays way above that. He's slotted in at small forward and power forward, and as a 29-year-old player, he's not going to have a lot of value out there on the market. But if the Bulls continue slip sliding towards the bottom of the standings and decide to blow it up, he may be a guy who could be attained for very cheap. It's not difficult at all to match his salary because he makes less than $2 million a year. He makes $1.8 million. You could match that with a guy like Neto if Rubio came in and took most of those minutes. And he's been reasonably good this year in terms of the things that the Cavaliers are looking for from a player. It's one of his best shooting performances from outside the arc. He's shooting 38% from three-point land. He's shooting nearly 60% from the field. That's why I say, despite the fact he's 6'4", he plays far above that size. He's a physical player. You saw the hustle from him on Saturday, and it's definitely a guy I think we should keep in mind if the Bulls situation changes, because we need to find guys who are obtainable, and that's really going to rely on people who aren't in the long-term plans of a team and who could be had for, say, a second-round pick. And Javante Green might be one of those players if circumstances change because he's entering free agency, he's approaching 30. I don't know if the Bulls are really going to be looking to spend a bunch of money on him, especially if they're losing. So that's my brief moment of trade talk. Now this is a quick turnaround for the Suns game tomorrow night, so I will likely do another podcast then. But before I left today on the Fear the Fro podcast, I think that in the event that a Bulls fan stumbles upon this podcast, he would be pretty annoyed by my reveling in a victory which certainly was assisted by the refs. So in an effort to make sure that I am fair and balanced and that their voices are heard, I've decided to read a selection of the saltiest Bulls fans' comments I could find set over what could best be described as tragic music in an effort to make sure that their voices feel heard. So I leave you with the following. And thank you once again for listening to the Fear the Fro podcast. Thank you for the subscriptions. Thank you for the ratings. Thank you for the reviews. And a happy new year to each and every one of you on this historic day in Cavaliers basketball. Was this the worst ref game of the entire season? I don't know what the fuck I just watched. Donovan Mitchell went to the line every single time someone happened to be in his area or like barely touched him. Our 16-point lead in the third was eaten entirely by just Donovan Mitchell free throws. Combined with the other dog shit calls throughout this year, I just don't know if I even want to keep watching. The refs wanted the Cavs to win. That's a simple fact. It was a ridiculous game to watch. The NBA doesn't even follow official basketball rules. Players carrying while dribbling, traveling, sideline throw-ins lasting more than five seconds. The show is more important than the rules. The second half clearly showed that Vegas and the refs had the Bulls losing this game. 
This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.